welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I'm C.J. Reynolds. I run this channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And if this is your first time, the whole idea behind this channel is to like bring value to is to really is to empower teachers right so that when you're on sunday night and you're feeling alone you're feeling scared class went to shit on friday and you need somebody to help you out um we are all here we show up every single sunday night to do this as a group and you'll see the same names that keep showing up a lot of times in the comment section um and i want to talk about tonight how we're going to hope to go a little bit deeper with that now too but like this whole show is free, all the YouTube content, free. We're just trying to bring value to people that feel like they could use um, a friend, a piece of advice, a bit of help, whatever it is. Uh, and so that's what we're doing here. So in a moment, I'm going to take all of your questions. But first, Latasha um, said she is looking for writing topics for the first grade. She's a first year, first grade teacher, and she's looking for writing topics. And I just think that first of all, it's an awesome question to ask. Second of all, my answer always goes to what are your students already talking about? What are they already interested in? Is it, you know, the hollow on Netflix? Is it Fortnite? Is it um, this new Super Smash Brothers game that's coming out? Like, what are your students already interested in? And then how can you leverage that? So like, are because if we can, you know, if the goal is to, the, the way kids get better at reading and writing is just reading and writing, but how can you make that new to them, make that exciting to them? How, how can you kind of stir something up in them and get them to want to write about something? And I think that that's a really great way to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, so that's Latasha, or you could just go over to Teachers Connect and answer her question anyway. It's right on the top page, and she had no comments and no likes yet and no answers. So that's, they're the ones I always pick because I want to help those people out. So um, real quick, uh, I'm, if you want to go ahead and ask questions, I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and give as short and concise of answers as I can. I know sometimes I'm going along and then I can't get through everyone's questions and, and then we're working on that. But, um, and I'll tell you about that in a moment because I got some really good advice from people. So uh, go ahead. I see Stephanie Henry on there and the preschool teacher, uh, Jerry Chris. Jerry, you know I'm terrible with names, so um, I'm glad to see you on there. Diane, the Piano Boy. Piano Boy's always on there. Rich Warner. Who else we got? Papercraft Girl, Veronica, uh, Diane, Connor. What's up, everybody? I'm really glad. to. I love seeing all these people on here. I love seeing the same people from week to week because it really makes me kind of happy. Um, yo, Bren, my <laughs> manager is on there. Brendan <laughs> lives around the corner from me, and he has my business side of what we're doing always in mind and he's always asking me things about like how analytics. do I edit what's that yeah analytics. he asks me about my analytics all the time sorry there's a piece of falls on my camera it's bothering me and so yeah Brendan is um he's my tiny manager all right what do you got any questions <clears throat> let's jump into this because I could talk all night to everybody but uh, Rich Warner is asking, Reynolds, I'm 11 weeks into my 16 weeks of student teaching, and I'm getting burnout from all the constant observations, critiquing, and financial stress, <clears throat> excuse me, of not working, need motivation to keep going. Well, Rich, you're in luck, because I'm about to give you some information, because there's nothing like the feeling that teachers have on a Sunday night when you have off Monday, 
like I have right now. So, um, <clears throat> Rich, I would say, let's put a video out about this today, actually. This new thing I've really, really been doubling down on is going on offense instead of defense. So I think that when you constantly get observed, you could eat. There's two ways of looking at that. Like you're afraid because someone's going to come in. They're going to critique you. They're going to tear down what you're doing. They're going to have something to say. But what would it look like if you charged into that? If you were like, you're coming in to observe me or, hey, I have a lesson. I know you're not scheduled to come and observe, observe me until tomorrow or next week. Could you just come in for 10 minutes today? Because I really want you to see something. And I think what that does is it sends a message not only to the observer, but to yourself that you are, you're not afraid of that. You're welcoming that critique. You're welcoming that feedback. And, and so even when they're giving that to you, you ask follow-up questions like, all right, that's a really good point that you said I should try and do that. But what does that look like in the context of this class? Or how can I treat that so it could be a little bit more like this? Or can you talk a little bit more about that? And I think in life, when we, it's like the difference between um, getting your butt kicked and kicking butt, right? I don't think you should actually kick kids' butts, but like um, you are charging into that. And I just think that that, even that switch, that mind shift, it puts you on the offense instead of the defense is far more empowering, right? You're not running from the fight. And I'm not saying you're running from the fight, but like, I, I remember what that's like um, to have folks like come in or like, even now, like people like in the last few years would say like, Hey, can I come in and observe your class? And my answer now is anytime. You don't even have to tell me. I don't even want to know when you're coming, just show up, sit in the back, stay as long as you want. And we can follow up afterwards or whatever, but like welcoming that, kind of madness into your classroom, I just think helps out a lot. As far as like the financial stuff, I just, you know, I think what would I do? So I think tutoring um, makes a lot of money. There's two, you can charge $50 an hour if you go to the right neighborhood, right? Or the right location. And don't tutor for anyone. Don't go, I wouldn't go to like a tutoring service. Put that thing on Craigslist, tell everybody that you tutor and you can make a lot more money than working. Like I used to work at home Depot when I was student teaching or um, actually, no, I don't think I did. I think I did nothing when I student taught. Right. Yeah. I think you just worked extra hours at Starbucks. Yeah. Hashtag balling. So um, I would look at ways to like optimize that or like I've done videos for these guys before. So I have been affiliated with them in the past, but Dada ABC is a website that um, you can tutor from home on, on the internet. And it's excellent. Um, top one. Yes. Did you give me this already? Yeah. Alex River is asking. I'm going on my first EF tour to Ireland slash Scotland in June of 2019. So excited! Any tips for students? So, Alex, here I go. Alex, I'm going to ask you to email me, but I'm going to promise to email you back quickly because it takes me about two weeks right now to get back to people typically, um, which is bad. I'm trying to get faster with that. Not really sure how to do it yet, but working on it. Um, so I have a whole list of notes that I made when I went on my EF tours and it is just like little things like make sure kids like check a bag, make sure they know what goes in a carry on bag because my first trip, my man Mark brought a five pound bag of Swedish fish that was about this big and a five pound bag of Sour Patch Kids. That was his entire carry on bro um so yeah so just uh just shoot me an email and i can give you a whole list of stuff that you can do 
Diane, uh, Diane Boyce is saying, I teach sixth grade math in South Philly. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, maybe. I have a student I cannot connect with. He is not doing well and seems disengaged all the time. Help, please. So, Diane, I would say, um, geez, I'm wondering. So the first thing I think that's really important to remember when you're having a hard time with students is that they're doing it for a reason, right? Like very few students are just a problem because they were born that way, right? So I've known people in the past that are like, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew kids like even growing up that their lives were a mess. Their parents were a hot mess and they were great kids. And then I knew kids that had awesome parents and they were just kind of jerks anyway. And it's so, so it's like, but most of the time I think that's all coming from somewhere, right? So what's the story behind that? So I would do a little digging, ask someone like in social, are you, are you laughing? I'm laughing at comments, I'm sorry. Okay, so I would do a little digging into like, maybe talk to the social work department, maybe talk to guidance counselors or the principal or whatever. What is that kid's story? So you can, it will help inform you of what to do and like, what's the understanding piece there? Um, and then, what's up, baby? You can go by if you need to. Go ahead. Um, and then they, what is, like, so once you know that story, it's going to help inform what you're doing a little bit. Um, and then, I'm sorry, I'm being distracted now. Uh, the other thing I would say, there you go, cute, is how can you, how can your your voice to that child not be that of someone who is aggravated and worn out? but someone who's deeply concerned and cares. And so I think sometimes when we take that shift of telling kids like, knock it off and sit down, and I'm not saying you're doing this, I'm uh, totally speculating, but uh, I know for me this works. When I stop doing that and instead say, look, do you realize like why I get on you all the time? Like I really care for you. Like I really want you to do well. And I think what I'm actually trying to do is give you tools. Right? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, essentially. Like If you can learn this stuff, it's going to set you up in a much better place. And then I just think sometimes those conversations go way further and go way better. I think also just asking them stuff about themselves, it, it cannot be understated. Like, like learning if that kid likes something like Fortnite, what would it look like if you, you were like, oh, you like Fortnite? And then you went on and got a free Fortnite account. Let's say you even played one night, even if you were terrible. And then you went in the next day and you said, hey, look, um, I wanted to ask you about this. I So I signed up for Fortnite last night because you said you loved it so much. So I thought it must be a great game because you're a great kid. And I tried, but like, I can't figure out how to do this. Or what's the story with like um, the cube? Or why is there, you know, whatever you want to know about. That all of a sudden puts that child in a place of power and you've just shifted everything. Now that kid knows everything and you know nothing and they can teach you. And I think sometimes switching up with kids like that really, really empowers them. And it's not a place you, like I'm sure to tell my kids all the time, like I'm not trying to be cool. Like I'm just trying to be relevant and I want to connect with you and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be able to do that. What do you got? Uh, Piano Boy is asking, what's up buddy? Um, how would you suggest on seating in which my students voice, wait, I'm sorry. I'm, let me read this again. 
what would you suggest on a seating chart in which my students voice not wanting to sit next to specific students? This student has a history of being a bully. Uh, I So look, for the most part, I, I have a set seating chart, but I let students sit where they want after I learn their names. And what that looks like is like, put yourself in a position of power. Where are you going to best succeed? And then go sit there. And so most kids don't like moving like, you know, like most of us. If you sit in, a, in the same place in the bus or on the bus every day, you don't want anyone to sit there. When I come home and my kids are like sitting at my spot at the dining room table, it's like, dude, what are you doing in my spot? Like, come on, I'm going to be 42 years old, man. I should be able to get over that. But everyone likes routine. But for those certain kids, I'd let's let them pick their own spot and say, but look, you have to be mindful of the fact that I'm letting you move and we're working this out. But if you're showing me that you can't really sit there or you're just trying to sit next to one of your homies, it's going to get taken away. So like, be mindful. Like I'm giving you this power, use it like responsibly. Uh, Piano Boy also asks, what does your hair look like under that hat? What does my hair look like under this hat? Like, uh, like sadness. Look, looks like straw. <laughs> uh, so I didn't, I didn't take a shower for three days and then I got a shower today and I didn't feel like doing my hair because I was doing yard work. Um, and then now it lives under this hat. So what is, uh, Kaden Christensen is saying, what is your degree in Reynolds? I had a degree in English which I swiftly realized was completely useless unless I wanted to have a job that I would hate. So then I got, I went back for my post baccalaureate degree and got a degree in education, uh, secondary education. Oh, you weren't ready for that one. See, I, I, I had that answer like a I boss. There's three of them. Answer three? Them. Well, it's Summer Tate. So we'll answer every single question from Summer Tate. Do I start at the bottom or the top? Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Summer Tate is asking, a parent has demanded that certain books be removed from classroom libraries. Her daughter is not in my class, but the admin are scrambling to cover all ELA teachers. Uh, we have a meeting about this in, about it next week. I refuse to remove any of my books for my seventh and eighth graders. Admin wants us to stick to YA, young adult uh, sticker on books. Summer Tate, uh, oh, duh, says, um, I may have to deal with this parent next year. Any advice? I would say, first of all, Summer Tate, like a boss handling it. Look, first of all, YA books are not always suitable for children. The title, most of them, I think the way that they are even like called YA is because, I don't feel like this is, a, hold on one second, I'm going to fix this. It looks all blurry because I took that fuzz off earlier. Now it looks not better, but we'll keep going. I think that the way that YA books are even called YA books or, or they're labeled that is because the protagonist is young. And so it doesn't mean that they're not dealing with all kinds of crazy wonky stuff like sex and drugs and rock and roll. Um, it just has to do with the fact that they are they appeal to young people because they're about young people. So that is a stupid argument anyway. And also, I, I think before I just got mad at that parent, I would want to know, have the conversation like, well, what, what's your, what are you trying to do here? And, and like, what are your thoughts on this? Like, let's have a conversation because to me, any book that's going to get kids to read, they should be able to read. And, and I say that with so much confidence because I've never had a kid read a book and like go, it's like, it's, 
this is not Grand Theft Auto, right? This is not NWA. We're not listening to stuff or, and, and look, I was an NWA fan as a kid, but like I realize now that like maybe 100 Miles and Running was not the best album for me to be learning every lyric to when I was 12, uh, secretly, because I wasn't allowed to own that cassette. But what, like, let's have the conversation. I think it always starts with the conversation and then um, the defiance can kick in after that because we just want kids to read and whatever's going to make them want to read and whatever's going to exercise that muscle is what I want to put in front of them. Um, and I wouldn't want a parent to just dictate that. Now, that parent might have very good reasons. And you might want to have that conversation to see what they're thinking about, how they're feeling, where this is coming from. And they might have some fair takes and it might change your mind and say like, okay, I, I'm willing to take these five books off my shelf because um, I see what you're talking about there. But it might not. So that's kind of how I would, would roll with that. And if they come into your class, just, you know, the, you're doing it now. You're being ready for it. You're being mentally ready for it. Um, and trying to figure out how you can make this about the kids and empowering the students. And it's not just about like you and your library, but it's about the students as, you know, your summer tape. Um, so that's, of course, what you're doing already. Yeah, she doesn't like she doesn't, she doesn't like that there are some, there's sexual content and some swear words. One book she wants to pull is Fault in Our Stars. Uh, I have a waiting list for this book. Yeah, like, so let's look at Shakespeare, right? Kids read Titus Andronicus in in high school, and that has a girl that gets raped, and then kids that get turned into meat pies. Um, not only is she raped, but her hands are cut off and her tongue's cut out so that she can't even tell on anyone. Romeo and Juliet, it's about two young people like having sex, and there's murder and and lust and taking drugs and like, you know, or anti-Semitism and and questionably uh like I'm so I'm thinking of like Merchant of Venice, which I read every year, where like Antonio's in love with uh, Bassanio, but he's in love with this other girl. Like, and they and Shylock, and like there's all that stuff in all kinds of books and all kinds of TV shows and regular radio like hits. But like, so let's have the bigger conversation. So if we want to, if we want to have that conversation, let's have it. I don't think. Having kids read stuff like that is innately bad. I think sometimes letting students go through things that they might have questions about without guidance is the problem. So, like, let's read the books, but let's have the conversation about it and then, you know, take it from there. Oh, before you go on, you might yeah. want to talk about. What? I don't Do you want to Anthony? talk about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that the Anthony that brought it up? I uh -huh. can't remember the last thing. All right. So, um, yes. So Anthony Biggs is saying, good evening. I'm crazy tired. So off to bed, we'll watch back in the morning. Any thoughts on the Facebook group? So Anthony, I do have thoughts on the Facebook group. So my man, Anthony came up and you can see him right in the comments, emailed me last week along with a bunch of you and left a bunch of great comments on like how we can get through more of these questions and go a bit deeper. Now I have a couple of ideas for this, but I want to, I want to ask all of you while like the viewership is like at its highest right now, probably for the night. So um, and then please, 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 I'm, I'm literally looking uh, what, look, like I said in the beginning, the idea behind this YouTube channel is to empower teachers and to bring the most value to you. So two ways, three ways we're thinking about doing that is one, having a website that I'm having built now so that I can have all my resources housed there and people can just get them um, free. Some might be to pay for, but like most of the stuff is free as all the stuff I've ever put out has been free. The second uh, was Anthony's recommendation is that that's to have a closed Facebook group. And so that's going to come out next weekend. 
because I just haven't had time. Like I've been trying to get, I'm trying to get my emails down to zero is my plan this weekend. Um, and so what that would look like is a space where teachers that are, that are you know, you're, in, you're with your tribe right now. So like your tribe would, would be housed somewhere and you all would be able to help one another go a bit deeper, ask a question, get an answer. And you already know that you're part of your tribe. So, and it's a safe space to ask that kind of thing. So I would take part in that, but it would more so be a place where all of you that look forward to seeing one another every single week in the comment section would be able to go be a part of the group and then have those conversations. And then as needed, we would bring up along new, what is it called? Moderators. Mo new moderators and stuff like that. So like, um, so Anthony's already like uh, said he's volunteered to be a moderator, but like, I think for right now, my wife and I will handle it. And then as you know, um, more people are needed, like we would bring it up. So we want some of you to be a part of that process. Also, is that something that you would be interested in? And also I'm really noticing a need for folks like this is what I'm hearing, right? This isn't, I, I don't want to, I wouldn't do this just to do it, but um, I'm hearing from folks that like, look, I've been doing phone calls with people and I've been doing emails with people back and forth. I'm wondering if some sort of like mentorship, um, a way to go deeper with folks would be of value to people. So maybe that's set for a month. Maybe we talk once a week or twice a week or set it up for a six week period. Um, is that something that people think would bring value to them or, or would make them a better teacher? Right. And, and so I don't know, I'm putting that out there. I'm willing to do it, but I need to know if that's something that people would be interested in doing. Um, is that what we want to say about that right now? Anything else? Nope. All right. My wife usually will tell me after the live feed, she'll be like, you forgot to say this. And so I like to ask questions on, on the front end, <laughs> but, uh, so let me know in the comment section if you think that's cool and then uh, we'll get on it. So Indy Kitty, my buddy, is saying, how do you feel about kids treating, wait, how do you feel about how kids treat special ed students? How would you include them in activities? Let me tell you a great story. I have a student who I won't name, but this student is, um, how do I say it? So I'm going to really protect him. Um, and I'm going to say he was an outsider when he came in freshman year. Uh, he got teased a lot at his previous school. And when he came in as a freshman, kids tried to make fun of him in my class. And I will occasionally, there are students that you are not allowed to make fun of. Like I, like I send you out with like a piece of paper to send to and take to another teacher. And while you're gone, I let everyone know in no uncertain terms that you are not allowed to make fun of this kid and it will never be allowed. It will never be okay. Do not do it. And so that for this student became one time they walked into my room, they tripped over a cord and that cord, it like literally ripped the speakers off my wall, made the teacher that was teaching in there's laptop flip over onto the ground, made the movie stop that they were watching. And everyone in there this is not my class that i yelled at or that i didn't yell at but i like firmly spoke to them they all lost it we're yelling at this kid he was like stuck in place he didn't know what to do he felt super awkward one of my guys from the back joe who's like one of the greatest human beings of all time stands up and yells at everyone to shut the hell up reynolds said that dude's off limits and i am not kidding you if i had said that i don't know that i would have had the same response but because joe said it Everyone went, 
Sorry about that, bro. Done. Sat down quiet. Now, four years later, that kid is a senior this year, and he is surrounded by kids with so much love that, like, this is actually going to probably make me tear up, but, like, he is just surrounded by kids with so much love, not because he's an outsider, not because he's, like, that friend and we band around him because, you know, he's our guy, our friend that's like this, just because of who he is. They've learned to really care for him for who he is. And I think that we can truly do that for students if we band around them, if we are the example and we try to connect the dots for that kid, we try and bring people in close to them. So this dude I'll connect with, like I'll talk to somebody else about, I don't know, some video game, right? And then I'll say, hey, you know what? My homie over here really likes that video game too. Yo, come here real quick. Let's talk about this. And then I gently bow out of that conversation after making that connection. So kids that don't know how to make friends you're kind of helping them, like you're pushing them on the bike and getting that started. And so I think that that's, I, I, you know, I always stand up for the, for the underdog. And so I think that's one of the ways that you can do that. Uh, what am I looking at? Oh, my bad. I didn't see that one on there. I, my bad. I love you. Uh, Ellen is asking, Ellen Mayer is saying, first day teaching tomorrow, any tips? Ellen, First of all, I hope that you have the greatest day ever. I hope that you have fun and I hope that you change kids' lives. And I think the way that you do that is just go in and know that it's going to be difficult. Don't look for the difficulty, but just be aware that's going to happen. And then how can you learn from the mistakes that you make? And then don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like, like mess shit up. Like go a hundred percent in, committed, and then when you mess up, go, all right, that didn't go so well. How can I get better? Ask, reach out to other teachers, sit in on their classes, observe as many different classes as you can, and then steal all their good ideas, use them in your classroom. And then that is how you will continue to get better. And then I would say, yo, look, if you show up on Sunday nights and we're all on here, just ask questions. And if I can't get to it, to the depth or level that you need me to, like, ask these wonderful people in the comment section and they will be sure to support you, I think. And if we have this Facebook group by next week, you could sign into that, John, too. Um, Rebecca, is it Rebecca Recca? And I'm pretty sure you have the Mortal Kombat sign as your profile picture. Nice job. How do you deal with giving up on students? There's, uh, there's a student in his final year of school but only came to the UK a few months ago. He gets, he gets lots of support, but there's no way he will get his grades. Uh, he will get his grades, like get them to where he needs to be. I think, look, you never, ever, ever give up on a student. Um, never. And so sometimes that looks like you need to put someone like your relationship in timeout sometimes, especially if someone's being like a jerk, but you always are willing to reconnect. You're always, you're never willing to give up on a kid because, you know, I tell my guys all the time, like, look, failing is one thing, Right. But you, but failing with a 15 as opposed to a 60% is a huge difference. You need to fail with the highest grade you can fail with, right? Because then at least you're, you're exercising the muscle of getting better. You're exercising the muscle of improvement. There's no one, and the way that I explain them to it is this. You do not go into a fight. And even if you know you're about to have your ass handed to you because this guy looks like the rock and you look like you're skinnier than a dead model – you have to try, right? No one just goes, well, this doesn't look like it's, I'm going to win. I'm just going to stand here and take it. No, man, throw as many punches as you can and do the best you can 
because then you just, you're not completely giving up on yourself. And I think it's important to teach kids that because, you know, if, if you fail with a 15, that really you're sending a message to yourself that like, you're just not worth it and you're just not going to get better. So learn as much, just because you failed doesn't mean you didn't learn. So learn as much as you can so that you can make a better decision after this. And so that's what I would just let that dude know. What do you got, buddy? Um, they have two. Uh, oh, that's a question. Okay. So Rachel says, any strategies for teaching middle school math? I would say you really picked that one for me. Um, oh, so Rachel, uh, so the, uh, the second part of it says, I learned my, by just notes and practice. Nowadays, they want everything to be creative and fun. Plus the kids are having extremely short attention spans. I will say that, look, I, I can't, let me ask you to do this, Rachel. I have a friend at school that teaches this woman, Miss Wright. And Miss Wright is, I sat in on a PD that she led the other day and she somehow, and I don't know math, weave together everything from what students think about uh, minimum wage, who makes minimum wage, what this says about culture, what this says about culture all over the world, poverty, and then slope and sequence. She made this crazy lesson out of socially conscious material that was super engaging and was kind of mind blowing. And she's just like that teacher. So here's what I would ask you to do. I would say, email me. And if you would like, I could email her and see if I can make that connection. And she could give you actual practical tips because I don't know math. Um, I would say that or reach out to my man, Alex Kajitani. If you type in that name, Alex Kajitani, uh, if you have a second, could you put that in the comment section? Um, he is out of California. He's, uh, I think he's a good friend of mine now. I would say Alex is a good friend of mine. And he's awesome. And he made, he makes his math lessons like very, very applicable to the students, makes them very engaging. And so that's just, a, those are my two recommendations that I would send out to you. So um, if you shoot me that email, then I will talk to her on Tuesday and I will try and connect those dots for you. Was there another, she had another question on there too, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, oh I did answer. I read that already. Top one. Top one. Sorry. Is that, do I do you that a lot? You sing everything. You and Marley. I like singing everything. You don't think it's pretty? Oh, it's lovely. I'm going to sing you later. My <laughs> wife likes when I pay the uh, Peter Cetera Pandora station and I sing. No, I hate lo it. No, you love it. I hate it. Answer the question. In my head, you love it. Um, Lewis or Lewis or Louise Lopez is asking, I'm really, I'm realizing that I'm not going to be able to reach every kid. Has that happened and how do you deal with it? Yes, all the time. I remember when I first started teaching someone, I was having a hard time and somebody said, yeah, man, but like, even if you just reach one kid, it's worth it. And I just thought, and I still think that's terrible advice. If you teach for 30 years and you reach one kid, bro, then like rethink the situation. You should be reaching way more kids than that. Um, because kids want to be, they want to be reached. They just, they front like they don't want it or they don't even know like how good it is like to, to have someone in there, like backing them. So I would say, look, you can't reach every kid. There are kids that I cannot get to. And I think that like, if, if I'm good at anything, it's building relationships with students. Now, if I can't get to a kid, I find someone that can, because you are 
part of a community of educators. So reach out to someone in the school that you think could connect with that student and then ask for their advice. Maybe the two of you sit down for lunch with that student or three of you sit down with that student. And what you're showing that student is that, look, I know that I might not be your guy, but there might be somebody else in this building, a guy or a girl that is that you will respect on that level. You do hear their voice. You do hear their advice. You do heed their warnings. And so that is just as good. Our job is not to save every kid. It's just to make sure that every kid gets saved. And so that was a bumper sticker right there. They, um, so I think that the only way that gets done is by remembering that we are not the be all end all, but we are part of a team of people that love children and will do anything for them. And that's how you do it. Carolyn or Carolyn or Caroline Brooks is saying, Hey Reynolds, I'm currently, I, I know that name also. Thanks for being back here again. Uh, I'm currently student teaching and will start my first teaching job in January. Any tips for new teacher coming into the second semester? Oh, oh, cause mid year. Uh, I would say, Oh gosh. I don't, I would say, all right, let's take this a little bit different way because I answer this type of question a lot. I would say I wouldn't listen to anyone's advice in terms of you got to look out for that kid. That kid can really be a handful. Oh, that kid never does homework. All that does is like is it's going to make you look at those kids through that lens and you you can't unhear or unsee some things, right? It's kind of like if you on accident saw your grandmother undressing one time, you can't unsee that situation for the rest of your life. So don't have that happen to you. Not saying it happened when I was a kid, but might have. Um, so you like, I, I just think you're putting yourself in a more positive position if you don't do that. It's say the other thing is be a part of the team. It is very, very easy when you first start teaching to just, like cut yourself off from everyone and stay in your room, be a part of the team and get to know the team. And then I think that that empowers you in a way that you can't see. Cause you're, you're kind of like, it's kind of that moment in point break. One of the greatest movies of all time starring Keanu Reeves. Um, when he goes to the FBI and the FBI director tells him, look, the problem is, you know nothing, but you don't even know that you don't know nothing. If you knew that you knew nothing, that would be something, but you don't. So just go in, and I'm not saying you know nothing. I'm just saying that, like, um, listening to people's opinions about students might be bad, but their ideas, like, if you find the right people to surround yourself with, it's just going to make you a better teacher. And so I would start looking for those people right away. And just have fun. Like, realize that, like, look, you're in a weird position. You're starting class in the beginning, in the middle of the year. Um, make it the best that you can. Learn as much as you can. And then start fresh next year. Best thing about teaching is you get to start over every year and be the person that you weren't the year before. Nara has like two. It's more okay. maybe just advice. My buddy, Nayara, uh, is saying, so I teach middle school and a kid is super rude to me on Friday, which rarely happens. That's because you're awesome. I tried to react calmly and pulled him out for a chat to figure out why and didn't give him a harsh punishment. Uh, second part of that question is he's a sensitive kid and I know that he wouldn't be rude without reason. I told one of my coworkers who keeps calling me too nice. Um, and he said, you're going to let them walk all over you. Wow. You know what? Like, yo, I have had people 
in the last few years really passed judgment on me. And the reason I'm making this about me is because I can talk. I'm going to speak about your situation through me where folks are like, I do too much to my room. Um, people dog me on YouTube, which I actually don't. I get so few angry comments. It's really awesome. It really just it proves to me like how many awesome teachers are out there. But every once in a while, there's someone that's like, oh, you take off points because they're late or because, and you don't take late work. Like, what kind of teacher are you? Or like, how could you ever tell a kid they can't go to the bathroom? Because like, and they don't know who I am. They don't know what I'm about as if I'm just trying to control kids and like wheel my, my sort of, of power around the classroom. But it's like, no, the kids I don't like go to the bathroom. I know them. I know they've gone to the bathroom 10 times in 10 other classes today and that they're just trying to get out of it. I would never not let someone go to the bathroom that had to go to the bathroom. Like, I'm not some weird ruler in the classroom. Um, I like my classroom to look awesome for the students. Like, isn't that why we're all here? So there's just going to always be folks that say stuff like that. Now, look, I think the interesting thing to do in that situation is to go, oh, that's interesting. Like, if someone said that to me, I'd say, that's really interesting that you see things like that or saw it like that. I'm wondering what you would have done in this situation and then create that dialogue, right? Where you're actually like stopping that person for a moment and saying, how do you see this? And it just becomes, what that becomes is like, they're not allowed to just throw a punch without you. Uh, that's not really a good metaphor. They're not allowed to like sort of like take shots and like, there's no repercussion for it, but you're not coming back angry or saying, or trying to justify yourself from the jump. It's like, no, let's go a little deeper into that. That's interesting that you say that, that you think they're going to walk all over me. Like, what makes you think that? Or have I have you seen that happen before? Like, I'm interested. Give me your intel. And I think that that puts you in a position of power where you were someone was talking trash, but then you flipped it and said, oh, no, 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 no. Tell me more because I'm trying to inform my practice and become the best teacher that I ever could be. And I'm hoping you can help me with that. And I just think that changes the dynamic of the situation. And then just remember, Nara, you're awesome. You already know you're awesome. You already know that the, it's all about the kids. Um, and so if nobody else reminds you, like maybe, like I know hurtful comments, I think they knock us down more than positive comments can sometimes bring us up, but I think you're awesome and you're doing the right thing. So um, that's how I deal with that. What do you got? Piano Boy is asking, what would you recommend on reading books in history class, any suggestions? I use document-based lessons, uh, but would like to use books as well. I would, uh, gosh, what would I say? That I have so many answers to that. History, let me, I'm gonna do this. Um, anyone that teaches history or thinks that they have an answer to this question. I cannot think of anything off the top of my head, um, but what can you put in the comment section for, a man piano boy and like answer to like, so just do like at piano boy and then tell him books that you would read. I would maybe also look up um, two people on Instagram. One is students of history and hit that dude up. Let him know that I sent you over there. That guy is awesome. Or the hipster teacher, my friend, Chris Peck on Instagram as well. Um, you can tell him I sent you as well. So that makes the introduction and then ask them what they would do about that. And anyone on here that would be willing to like leave that comment in the comment section so that uh, you have something to go off of. Uh, Hannah Bierman is saying, I am a student teacher in El Paso, Illinois. El Paso is in Illinois. Mind blowing. Uh, I always think of it as being in Texas. 
My students are creating exhibits for a museum for a fifth and 15th amendment and voting rights for people of color. Do you have any tips for funding this? Uh, first of all, I love this idea already. Same. Okay. My students are so excited about it. And I just want, I just want to get this project off the ground for them. The museum site is in our community commemorating the first black man that voted in Illinois. So first of all, First of all, can we just take a moment and say this is an awesome project? Can you tell that child to stop screaming up there? Um, they, it is. You're taking something, a lesson. I, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this. You, you probably already know, it, but like you deserve to just be shouted out anyway. Making something relevant, not just culturally relevant, but relevant to where you live, and then making something project based, and then giving the students like the ability to know that like people are going to look at this is awesome. So my first year, I didn't go, I didn't do it as awesome as you're doing it, but we did a Harlem Renaissance museum and everyone was, um, there's my man. Everybody was uh, assigned someone from the Harlem Renaissance and they had to make an exhibit. So our classroom became the museum for the Harlem Renaissance. Everyone had to make an exhibit. And I found that kids, like I went to home Depot and got tons of old boxes and because my jam is always make something from nothing. So like, like, let's own it. If it's going to look like. I know. <laughs> you're really taking the secret thing to the next level. My, my thing was always, if it's going to look like kids are making it, like try and just like own the cardboard. Like everything's made out of cardboard or the <laughs> one piece of plywood or um, stuff like that. Also. If you go to certain stores, like I know Home Depot sets aside money so they can donate things to schools and to charities and stuff like that. So going into Home Depot and asking or Lowe's and saying, hey, I work at this school. This is this awesome, amazing thing that we're doing. Would you like to be a part of it by being able to donate like something from this list of things that we have? And you would be surprised by just asking people how much they're willing to give. And if they can't, them saying like, you know what? We met our quota for that this month already but if you go talk to this person or i know a guy at this place you can get hit up there i would just start going to stores and asking them and the most the most fun thing about that is that you're doing it for the students not like you're going in and asking for something for yourself you're doing it for kids so they can learn and that's just like just makes it an easier ask uh but good work i'm really i'm really proud of you for doing something that amazing uh Nighthawk Dragon 42, first of all, toughest name of the night. Sorry, everyone. That is you you win. Nighthawk Dragon 42 is asking, is it okay to tell your students that you love them? I work with young children and they say it to me sometimes, and I always say it back. But do you ever say it to your older students and do they say it to you? Um, yeah, I tell kids I love them all the time. And I don't know, like, look, different people feel different ways about that. I've actually gotten crap in the comment section in videos before for that. Oh, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, dude, did we set off something? Really? I think I said something to my about saying that, and somebody put me on blast on Twitter. It was wildly unacceptable. Yeah, it was on. Yeah, that was like crossing the line. And look, I, I get to some extent where you're coming from in in a world where teachers are dating their students, are hooking up with their students, are there's all this crazy stuff, right? But guess, here's, guess what? Here's the thing. I am in no way allowing those teachers to set the bar for me. 
I think the problem in schools too often is that when an admin makes a rule, they make it for the lowest common denominator of teacher, right? So when I used to work in Camden, New Jersey, I worked my first year, there was this woman who called out all the time. I mean, she was constantly out. But you, all you had to do is shoot a text to her, probably not even a text at that point, it's probably a phone call to this one answering machine, leave that you're not going to be in, and then they would take care of it. So what they try to do is because of her, instead of having that conversation, they changed the whole process. You had to call three people and email two of them just to back it up. And what they try to do is like make you feel bad, make this a difficult process when like, bro, if I'm puking, the last thing I'm going to do. So I never did. It. I just called that answer machine, told them I was going to be out. But they set the bar so low because we're trying to watch out for the like the people that are making out with students on the side like no i'm never going to do that so hell yeah i tell kids that they love them because guess what you might be the only person that ever told that kid that day that you love them i've told whole classes right before they've left like look i want everyone to know on some real shit that like know that reynolds deeply cares for you and i actually love you and i don't care how you want to take that but just know in case no one else told you today that i i love you on that level and i just think that it can only do good. You got it. Sorry, I got a little. It's just a comment. Got a little preachy there. Gideon Brockenbrow. I used to have a student named Gideon Brockenbrow. Keep reading. Oh, I'm a junior in college now. I had you freshman year, uh, then left BL. You were one of the teachers that had a huge impact on me, and you're changing kids' lives. My guy, keep it up. Um, yes, that was nice. That I, I remember Gideon Brockenbrow. I remember saying, "How you like me now, Brockenbrow?" So um, <laughs> I. So wow, that's going to make me feel emotional but i really appreciate that thank you very much for saying that man um so look i would say also if you're ever in philly come by i'm still in the same room because they are not moving me and two um hit me up if you ever need anything i'd be more than happy to like you know my the best thing about teaching is keeping up with students and seeing the amazing things that they're doing so the fact that you're even in college is like makes me really proud so good good work i'm proud of you my man um yeah <laughs> What? I don't know how to say that. I really apologize. I can't say your name. And I'm not sure if that is your full name, Floor. First of all, F wait, you sound like the lady from <laughs> What's the Movie and She's Trying to from Say From Spanglish <laughs> and she can't say. But everybody That's else can roll the R. That is 100% <laughs> me, the woman who couldn't roll her R's in that movie yet. Floor Azul? I don't anyway, know. Just you have beautiful question. purple hair though. So um, the question is, how do we respond to students who make racist, sexist, homophobic comments in class? Do you make a teachable moment about acceptance or do you wait and converse with that student one-on-one? -on -one? I do both. So let's say someone, um, gosh, how do I say this? Some things are better in the moment. And when I have to explain them on YouTube, um, it, can, it can sound weird. Uh, it gets law. It's kind of like your audience is different. It is always a teachable moment. No one's ever allowed to call someone like the N word. I don't, I tell kids like there's very few words that make me awkward and I'm the only white dude in the room. So could we not use that word? Like I get, I get it. I get, I understand why we're using it. Just could we not do it in my room? Right. Um, 
and that's my own baggage, but like, just give me this one small courtesy. Um, if someone calls someone a fag or gay or, you know, cause my dudes are all, everything's gay all the time. Everything is gay. Yo, you got lettuce on your sandwich. That's so gay. And it's just like a throwaway word. I, I honestly don't even think my students mean it as, as a slur. Most of the time, I think it has become so, so commonplace. It just flows out. Right. But my job is to stop us in the moment sometimes and say, we need to take a look at what you're saying because you think you're just calling someone a bitch and you're not, that's not all you're saying. There is a deeper impact in what you're saying, right? There is baggage there and it is hate speech. And so if my room is going to be a safe place for every student, no matter what you get down with, then it needs to be a hundred percent a safe place. And so I can't have, maybe there's someone in the room that I don't even like students automatically also think that they know that what everyone in the room is or how they get down or what they're into. And they don't. So let's say you call someone fag in class and there is someone that is gay, but maybe hasn't told everyone yet, maybe still figuring that out, maybe not sure about themselves. What you did, and, and this is for all teachers, not even teachers, like there are people that don't even agree with that or think that that's okay, but that's not your decision to make in this moment or maybe ever. But like what you're doing is making a safe space for children to learn. And if you cannot make it a safe space and you really have to rethink your intentions there. And so I think it's always a teachable moment. And I think you can, you can, if you think it's going to be more powerful then follow up with that student later and just say, Hey, look, I don't try to put you on blast, but like, I really think that like what you did had this impact. So let's talk about that. Right. And, and I, and letting kids know I would do the same for you. I would back you up a hundred percent in anything that you believed to make this a safe space for you as well. So next, uh, Justin Hayden is saying, hey, Reynolds, any tips on hitting the reset button with kids after you've already had the um, the most unsuccessful phone calls home and parent-teacher conferences? Yep, so I would say, I would say that with 100% confidence because I have ruined things. I mean, I've like ruined things with kids. I've said stuff. I've hurt people's feelings. I've done, made the wrong moves. I've called home when I shouldn't have. I've not called home when I shouldn't have or when I should have, or I think that made sense, right? Um, I think what you do is you stop. I need to talk to you after school. You sit down with that kid. Sometimes this helps to have a third party there as well. That's sort of like uh, like, uh, mediating the situation so find a trusted advisor sit down with them as well um at my school i found that um miss cho who's been on this show before and when i had uh our former ceo this guy dr ten who was like the jam sitting down with them in a room and just saying like look I don't want to win. I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm not trying to like be the best, have all the control to get you to do whatever I tell you to do because I want you to do it. This is only about your success. And I think this has gone wrong this year and I take the blame for that. So you're taking the blame and that is letting the student off the hook. Even if you even if you're not wrong, right? You need to like you know, what's uh see face. Yeah, but who am I thinking of? You're not going to know because I, I don't want <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird. Who's the guy? He's like one of my heroes of all time. The main character, the dad from To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm thinking like this is what he would do. Oh, man. Take the blame and what? Never mind. 
take the blame and then just say, Atticus. what do you, Atticus Finch? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know it. Credit to someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good work down there. Um, so what is, what, how do you think we move forward going through the year so that you're successful? And then you're putting the ball in that kid's court. You're giving them power. You're letting them know, you're showing them how to apologize. You're showing them what vulnerability is. You're showing them um, what taking ownership for your loss, like you're the boss, looks like. And so I think that that's exactly what I would do. Um, and that might be a stretch for you also, but that's why it's a really good thing to have a third person there sometimes too, because that kid might not even be having what you're trying to put out there. And they might, you might still not win with that dude, but you're at least planting the seed. You already know what I'm going to yeah. say, girl. Um, planting the seed uh, for the future. Uh, Christopher... Cornette, Cornette. I don't know why I struggled with that last name because it was not difficult. But uh, Christopher is saying, I teach eighth grade ELA in Boston. What message would you give to eighth graders about to enter high school? I would say, um, gosh, that's a really good question. I I had a girl email me this year that said, uh, was wondering the same question. And she was wondering because she had a lot of learning differences. And she was wondering how to communicate that to her teachers. And I said, why don't you, why don't you essentially email your teachers ahead of time and say, Hey, this is who I am. This is how I learn. These are some of my distraction points. These are things I've not done so good on in the past. And these are things I really love about school. And what you're doing is like painting a picture for teachers. It's kind of like they're getting a resume on the front end to know about who you are. They're not listening to other teachers about who you are that have maybe had a bad experience. They're not, going off their, their gut instinct or their first instinct about what you did in class. Like I have this kid this year, turtle who I thought was going to be a pain in my butt and was like, cause the first couple of days he was just like antsy and talking when I was talking now I really, really like him. And so if I kind of had something to go off of in the beginning, I, that might've changed how I was going to, to, to kind of work with him. Um, and then I would say, get ready to have, a great time. Like, don't be afraid of high school. It's going to be, it, it's, it always ends awesome. I think like for the most part, nah, that might be overgeneralizing. Um, I just remember like being terrified my freshman year and rightfully so I got beat up literally every single day of my freshman year. Cause I went to a terrible high school in New Jersey. Um, but by senior year, I had friends that I was going to have for years and years and years after that. So I think there might be something in there. And if not, I apologize. I was, I felt rambly on that one. Okay. Let's make it better for this question, babe. Uh, Rachel is asking, do you reset your expectations in class? Quarter two is starting to have, is starting and I have a, and I have rowdy classes. Do you think it would be beneficial? For sure. So say like, um, look, we're getting into the second quarter. This is what I noticed from the first quarter. This is what you can use my expectations for the second quarter. So you guys were late. You came in, you're being loud. Um, I didn't collect homework all the time. Like whatever you didn't do, whatever they didn't do, you're kind of like fleshing that out or asking them like, look, I'm trying to have the greatest year ever. I have this revelation. I want to have the best class of all time in this second quarter. How can we do that? And then get like feedback from the students and then see where you can go from that, um, from there. And then go into it like you're going to have the best time ever. 
And when kids keep being rowdy, talk to them one-on-one. Like, yo, can you do me a favor and step in the hallway real quick? You're not in trouble. My kids laugh at me at this point because they're always like, you always say we're not in trouble. And I'm like, that's because the only reason you ever get put out of class is if you're in trouble. I'm just letting you know, bro. Like, it's okay. Um, so I would say that that's kind of how I would handle that. And then treat it like it's going to be the best. Put together a couple of class trips that you're only going to take your best students on. Um, and not the kids just with the best grades, but with the best personalities that are the kindest that are looking out for other people um invite speakers in do fun stuff outside of your class like don't go into it thinking shit this class is really rowdy i don't think i can get away with this like go in with the expectation that it's going to be awesome and that's that's how i would go into that do you have anything other than donors choose for tracy so tracy is saying tracy pinter who's awesome by the way uh tracy pinter is saying what are some fundraising ideas besides go fund me to raise money to take my seventh, eighth grade students on a field trip for math and physics day at a local amusement park, um, Cedar Point. I don't know what that is, Tracy Pinter, but I'm sure it's awesome. Um, our budget is now zero. I would say- Someone said donors choose if they have like a field trip. Uh, donors choose is a good, good one. I feel like it's so crowded on there though. <laughs> I would- I would maybe talk to your, look, I I think fundraising in school raises a lot of money. Like, look, when we were going to to Costa Rica, I had this dude, Mark, and Mark got his dad to buy like, and look, I mean, some of this is going to cost a little bit of money on the front end, but that's only one time. Mark got his dad to bring in like a hundred dollars worth of soft pretzels, which is a Philadelphia delicacy and everyone loves them. (laughs) Students love eating. Then you sell them for whatever you're going to sell them for. Maybe they cost you 25 cents. You sell them for a dollar. You're just making four times, you know, what you paid for it. And then doing that every day or every Friday or whatever. I also went to BJ's for years now. We've gone to BJ's. We set up a very simple store in the school. The kids worked it. The kids set up all the projects. I have tons of videos about how to make a school store. Um, And then we just sold stuff in the school. Food always goes a long way. Or... I'm thinking with the holidays coming up, I had my students make very, very simple planters and I bought succulents from like Lowe's or something for like a dollar each. And then ah. I sold those things for 20 bucks. Tracy Pinter said selling food <clears throat> off limits due to state law. Oh, that's, that's awful. First I've of all, never heard of a that is the wackest thing I ever heard in my life. Right. Um, I think having kids make like simple, something simple like that, like a craft and then mass marketing, like, getting while teachers are buying stuff for the holidays for their families i would have people buy like five of them tell her to go watch your concrete planter or (laughs) if you look on my chat real rap that's a great idea here's what you do my third maybe my third highest ranking video of all time was a one-off it was an experiment where i made concrete planters and it is That's on my YouTube channel. So if you go to my YouTube channel, you go, you the look up popular. like most popular videos. It is the third one. And I will show you how to make a concrete planter that will literally cost you pennies to make. You put a plant in that thing. And I guarantee you every teacher at your school, even the old mean ones will buy those things, put it on Instagram, push it out to your stories and then tell people where they can get it. Send me a picture. I will put it on my Instagram stories and encourage other people to get in contact with you so they could buy it as well. And then that's how we're going to fund your class trip. So there it is. Done. Um, Ariel? Is that how you spell Ariel? Ariel T? First of all, great name if that's your name. And even if it's not, great name anyway. 
Ariel? No, it's not, not high oh, school. Right. Disney Ariel. Oh, whatever. I still think it's beautiful. Um, what should a teacher do that starts after the holiday break? What should a teacher, what should a teacher do that starts after the holiday break? So a new job, I'm assuming. New. Oh, okay. So you're starting after holiday break. Um, gosh. Didn't we answer this question already kind of tonight? Yeah, we did. I would say... Here's what I would do. Reach out to teachers at your school before you start there. See if you can get into that school before you start there. Like, so like, can you um, go in and observe some classes, start making connections with people say, Hey, I would love to know all of you. Does anyone want to go out and get a drink or get dinner or get coffee before we go back and then try and start finding your tribe? What you're doing is building anticipation to be in the building because once you know the, your faculty and you get along with them, it makes showing up a joy. So, and if you don't have a good day, you have someone to go to that's going to understand and be willing to talk with you. So that's what I would do. I would be, go on the offense and don't wait to get asked out. Go ask people out, ask them out for dinner, whatever it is, see if you can connect on some level. And I think that will really help out um, going into that school. You just dropped the cord again, didn't you? Uh, Brian Eck, who has it's the most- a nice comment. He's a really artistic and nice uh, profile picture. New here, found your channel while searching mid-year change to teaching. That should be a new tag in our videos. Um, I've been binge watching all of your Sunday night teachers talks, so helpful. Thank you very much from Chicago. That's awesome, man. Brian, um, thanks a lot. And then, oh, and then you had a question? Um, I thought oh, I gosh, I really thought I had a pop socket on the back of my uh -huh. phone and I just dropped it on my face. Uh, what advice would you give any males out there wanting to become teachers in their 30s, looking to teach elementary or middle school? I would say, first of all, Brian, there are not enough male teachers in the elementary space. There's a video on it. Period. Did we make, oh, we made a video called Why More Men Should Consider Teaching. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think that the importance of that is, I think, I know my students see it, I know it helps them to see my eclectic group of friends. So like my main homies that I hang out with at school are, um, Indian, Korean, African-American, white lady, red hair. Like it's, it's a pretty mixed group. And I think when students see people of mixed groups hanging out and how that works and how that is beneficial to all of them, it just makes it look like a normal thing. And then it doesn't have to be a thing when you're growing up, right? It's like, oh yeah, of course I had male teachers. Of course I had uh, African-American teacher or Korean teacher or whatever it was, right? Um, I think that that in just it, when you see it, you can be it kind of a thing. Also, remember, when you don't start teaching until you're 30 or 50, or I had a dude hit me up that was 60, that was retiring and wanted a second career as a teacher that was concerned about it, you are bringing all of that life experience with you. That there's, you have a one up, and this isn't a diss to anyone that's 22, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do at 22. When you start teaching at 22, you were in those students' shoes just five minutes ago, right? Now, as a, as a grown, not as a grown-up, but like as someone that has some experience that's been places, done things, won things, lost things, you're bringing all that. It's a forming your practice. And I just think that it has such a great impact. And now you have all this real-world knowledge that's going to back up what you're saying. And I just think that, that there is no substitute for that sort of experience. They did? Oh, okay. Oh, they have two questions. Uh, cows with webbed feet. That is <laughs> the new best. <sighs> I think we're tied for two great names. 
It's kind of gross. Though. It is. It sounds like a great. It sounds like a weird ska band right. from the '90s name. Um. Anyway, uh, Castle Webfeet is asking, does does any other schools have a sub problem like my school? I am a paraeducator and was pulled four days last week to be a teacher. I'm okay with it, but my students can't be left for a week. It's crazy. So, and is it illegal? Like, I don't even know if that's illegal. I would, I would look into that. We just started using subs last year. We cover each other's classes, which I kind of like. Makes me feel like I'm part of a community, even though I hate covering people's classes typically. Um, but it makes me feel like I'm helping someone out, and. But I mean, I just feel like, look, I feel like, let's say this real quick. I will make this quick, but I'm, I'm, I feel preachery when I get these oh. questions. I think paras are not looked at enough times as actual professionals, that they actually know something, that they're actually bringing value, that your job is already actually important, too important to be pulled and put into a classroom for because these are folks that are like really going deep with one, two, five, whatever kids and really helping out the kids that everyone else is having such a difficult time with, the kids that need that extra help, the kids that need someone that's one-on-one with them. And we are disserving those children by pulling those people away and putting them somewhere because someone called out, like call a sub school and, and hook that up. So, um, I don't really have an answer for that, but that's how I feel about that. I just hope that you um, are trying to, to, I don't know. I just think you're doing great stuff. So thank you, Cal, with webbed feet. Um, Louis or Louise Lopez is asking, uh, anyone feel like their year is a wash? I'm trying things to see what works and finding ways to overhaul things over the summer. Thoughts? So first of all, uh, Lopez, where are you from? Are you, where are you teaching? Could you say that real quick? Cause I'm just interested um, in how close your summer is. Like, is it, if it's Australia, I mean, congratulations, summer folks there, Kafuba land. Um, I would say, look, my whole year is like that. And when things really start to suck, I, this is how I think that from Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. The way that I would think about it is always, if nothing's working, let's just throw a whole bunch of things against the wall and see what sticks except for students, because you should never throw students against the wall because they will not stick. They only get hurt and then you'll get sued and lose your job. Um, But start what, like the go, I just think that you go nuts. Like if you have a shit class, try crazy stuff, like bringing people in, going on awesome field trips, connecting with other teachers from other schools and maybe your classes come together and do something. I think that kids act like a huge pain in the ass when it's the same thing every day, right? It's already a, a fact that 90% of what you thought about yesterday, you're think, or 90% of what you think about today, you thought about yesterday. We get into these routines and these habits. And the only way sometimes to break those habits of children is to create, do something nuts in class, to say something insane, to do something insane, to break up the monotony. And then your class becomes magic instead of tragic. Man, I'm. I'm bumper sticker all over the place tonight. So I would just go nuts and then start making lists, like literally writing lists. This thing was a bad idea. This I thought was going to rule and it sucked. And then what can you do to make your class awesome? And like the weird thing that you tried that did work. So, and you know, if I just think real quick, so if you're new to my content, real quick things that in the last two years 
deeply impacted my class that were total random, not sure if this is going to work, but end up working was things like teaching through hip hop, having cereal day instead of pizza parties because cereal is way better than pizza. Um, having guest speakers come in, going on more class trips and going on class trips with not all the kids, right? With a select few that are crushing it. And those aren't always your best grade earners, but they're just good people going on trips. Um, having weird speakers come in. So like I have had DJs come in. I've had uh, graffiti artists come in. I've had um, cartoon artists come in. I've had entrepreneurs come in. So like this weird eclectic mix of folks that are coming in that is taking what you're learning in class and making it real. And so I just think that that is a fun way to kind of do that. Maybe introducing like new games. We earned extra credit the other day. The class that won Quizzo for the review for the Odyssey got to play the two leading teams got to play uh, Fruit Ninja on my Promethean board and the winner got extra credit points on the test and it just made it fun and weird and awesome. So that's what I would do. Um, you can answer that Got it. So um, I have one more question, then I have an important announcement. I want to get some feedback on people real quick, please. Uh, so Mercal, I'm going to go with that. You have a yellow profile picture, and I can't see your name because I'm not smart enough, and I apologize. Uh, <laughs> That's not true. I am. I'm not capable of saying it. I, I just, let's not go okay. we're going deep down that thing uh -huh. into the dyslexia world but uh so uh geez, now you're making me rethink everything i'm saying sorry i love you uh <laughs> advice for a student teacher starting uh their block with ninth grade english class find out on the first day what your students like and then teach through that lens if all of your students like i don't know rock music Learn a lot about rock music. If they're all playing Fortnite, get a Fortnite account. If they all like um, the new Lil Uzi album, go get the Lil Uzi album. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Just means that you have something to talk about, something to connect with. What TV show they're watching. Are they all going to go see the Transformers movie and then go see the Transformers movie and then make your vocab questions all about the Transformers movies? Um, that's what I would do. Get to know your students and they will give you the time of day and that's how you absolutely build a relationship because you're trying to meet them where they are and not where you think they should be. So real quick, my, I said this earlier and I really, really am interested in what people have to think about this. One, we're thinking about, or we're going to start a closed Facebook group. So all these conversations and all these questions I couldn't get to, you can go into the closed Facebook group. You can ask any question that you want and there will be a whole host of educators there. So you can really go deep on things like math and history and stuff I don't know anything about. Um, I will be in there as well, but it really helps this whole tribe to make something awesome that we are actually helping one another out. And I'm really, really excited about it. Two, I'm interested in whether or not people would be interested in doing some sort of mentorship program with me where we would talk maybe once a week on the phone or chat, like do Skype or something like that, or once, twice a week, once a month, whatever you think that could look like. But what does that look like to you? And what do you think would be helpful to you? And do you think that's interesting? Maybe you're not. Maybe you just think it's not a good idea. You don't need that. This is enough. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. Uh, anything else? Yeah. Cool. And then uh, keep an eye out for Tracy Pinter's Concrete Planters that I hope that she makes and that we're going to promote on here to help her class take a class trip. And that's it. Gang, listen, real quick, as you're signing off and before you go into your week starting tomorrow or Tuesday, if you have off of Veterans Day, 
I hope you have the best week ever. I hope you connect to someone. I hope you find a child this week that thought they were invisible and you make them know they're visible um, because you all are the best and you show up to watch this every week. And I really, truly appreciate you and I love you. And I hope you have a great night. And here goes my awkward ending because I can never hit the button on time. Here we go. Peace, everybody. And peace again because it's still, there we go. 